What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Remember, we are on DSTV channel, and uh, that is on uh, the Audio Bouquet channel 802. And uh, don't forget that you can stream us live as well on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, we're going to start uh, the week with this big story at looking at the latest in Sudan, looking at the civil disobedience campaign that is uh, going to be underway and uh, they are claiming that it will actually render the capital unoperational. And when I speak about they, I am referring to the Sudanese Professionals Association or the SPA, which has been known internationally to be pioneering uh, this uh, protest that has been taking place in Khartoum for a, a long while now this year. Now, in the latest escalation by protesters demanding an end to military rule, a civil dis- obedience campaign in Sudan has brought the country's capital to a standstill, closing down restaurants, banks and other businesses and turning streets desolate. The mass showing of government defiance follows a military crackdown that has reportedly left more than 100 killed by security forces. And we know that numbers just uh, those confirmed in Khartoum over the past week. Government forces also cut off uh, mobile data, which most Sudanese use to access the internet, posing major Major difficulties in case getting basic information out of Sudan. And we also know that uh, this uh, movement that has been pioneered or uh, that is uh, behind this uh, protest has been through social media. So that's an interesting move by government as well. Furthermore, uh, Sudanese security forces have arrested two opposition leaders shortly after they met with Ethiopia's Prime Minister Abe Ahmed during reconciliation talks in Sudan's uh, capital, Khartoum. Well, let's bring in our guests uh, this hour who will give us uh, their views on uh, this particular topic. And just a reminder that we want to get your views as well on our Facebook page. So don't forget to go check it out. We're asking the question, um, what options do the protesters have to achieve their own uh, civilian demands? Do you think they should uh, continue protesting? Or do you think that uh, they should uh, really try to... um, Get on the table with the transitional uh, government and uh, try some way to engage with the transitional military council. But on the line, we've got Sabir Ibrahim, who's a representative of the Sudan Liberation Movement in South Africa. We also have Mossad Mohammed Ali, who's an executive director at the African Center for Justice and Peace Studies, and Jock Maduk Jock, who's the director uh, from Sud Institute. Let me start with you, Sabir. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you for having me. The last thank time, you for you. sure. The last time I had a conversation with you, uh, Sabir, and thank you for joining us once again. We thought that the uh, protesting had gotten to a point where it was actually 
getting more successful and the government was feeling the pressure from that and we thought that um, uh, somehow the engagement between um, the Sudanese Professionals Association and the Transitional Military Council will come to some form of objective but it seems like uh, talks have uh, gone back once again and it has become a stalemate. Uh, well, you see, let me put it this way, you know, yet again, you know, actions of Janjaweed in Khartoum prove they have brought Darfur with them. It shows that the cost of refusing to comfort genocide it happened in Darfur. If you could have tackled or uh, handled the issue of Darfur and for long, we couldn't have this now genocide in Khartoum. So the international community itself and the African Union, those, those that need service diplomacy that they are doing, it would never help. Sudanese people. It, 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 it's a disaster. So to speak today is that it's outreach by Berlin's. What is happening? The last week, it was the latest last week has ever happened in, since the demonstration from uh, 13 December. So what, what we try to say that, you know, there is no negotiation with those uh, barbarisms. As the opposition said, there is no negotiation. The only one thing they have to put it in place that, you know, you have to transfer power to civilian government, period. All right, that's a very interesting thought there and a very sad uh, reality, Sabir, that you're bringing forth there because it seems like you're very pessimistic around a way forward. Let me come to you, Mossad Mohammed Ali. Let me bring you into the conversation. Right now, there's a stalemate when it comes to taking things forward politically in Sudan. Um what are the real areas of contestation here? Because at some point we thought that uh, um, the military was actually engaging with the protesters, but it seems like uh, the old guard wants to maintain its current status quo within government. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, in fact, as you have uh, mentioned, the situation right now, I mean in Sudan, it's uh, very gloomy and uh, very cloudy, simply because the military council actually insisting to hold the power. They refuse, you know, to transfer this power to a civic authorities or to a civic uh, government. And this actually was not the agreement. From the very beginning, I mean, since the uh, peaceful protests from the uh, previous regime, and namely, Al Bashir, there was a statement, you know, made or been made by uh, the uh, military forces that they are backing the civilians, you know, in order to ensure this move uh, transfer of power to the civilians. But unfortunately, you know, uh, immediately after uh, the uh, trouble of Al Bashir, they start actually to put some barriers, you know, in uh, the different negotiations with the forces of uh, freedom and uh, change. So for that actually uh, reflects or gives like an indicator that this is like a coup data because they would like to rule the country. And the people inside Sudan actually they refuse, not only I mean uh, the forces of uh, freedom of change, but I mean even the general public, you know, they refuse you know, to have another military regime that would reproduce, you know, the 30 years of dictatorship uh, in Sudan. Staying with you there, um, Mossad, 
is the fact that uh, it seems we're having an imbalance of power here. And one of the biggest concerns that we had in our previous discussion on this particular program on this matter was the fact that it seems like uh, the... um, underground movement or even um, the SPA and other forms of um, um, movements that have erected themselves in Khartoum still seem a little bit uh, unorganized and unstructured and maybe that is uh, a big issue here in terms of consolidating the forces and the powers in discussions and maybe that's why we're seeing the transitional military council actually having uh, a way of itself determining um, the outcomes of uh, the conversation um, what do you think should be done in this regard, especially looking at uh, the pro-democracy movements to actually organize themselves better, uh, to actually create a structured um, system? Maybe they can create uh, more formalized political parties that can have an evidenced um, kind of structure to them on the ground. Well, I think it is not a question of uh, organization because uh, I entirely believe that, you know, the question is not about uh, organizing themselves, although the uh, military council and the others uh, around the military councils, they have uh, argued that uh, the uh, negotiations have failed because the uh, other negotiating parties are not organized. But I think this is not true because at least... Uh, there may be you know, some kind of uh, disagreement, and I think this is uh, a healthy situation you know, where we have you know, some sort of uh, disagreements, but there is uh, consistency among them because they are the ones you know, who led this uh, protest and also they are the ones who have contributed heavily you know, to remove uh, this uh, regime. This, this agreement, actually, I think it's uh, quite normal and it's quite natural because they have uh, different backgrounds, they have uh, different ideologies, they have different uh, structures, but the, and this is actually my uh, own view as an observer, I think uh, the uh, obstacles always come you know, from the side of the uh, military council. It is true that you know, there were uh, some sort of uh, delay I mean, in responding to some of uh, the military council demand, but according to the, uh, I mean, even the Sudanese uh, Professional Association or the forces of uh, freedom and change, sometimes actually they consult, you know, the uh, people there who are in the sit-in, you know, outside uh, the uh, military headquarters because they are just representing the voice of the people. So in some issues, you know, the uh, request from the military council in order to get back to the West, so as to uh, get approval. And this is specifically not with the uh, strategic issues, but actually within, uh, within uh, the request of the military council, for example, for some demands like uh, the uh, removal of the barriers and also the opening of the railway station. I think this is the only thing you know, that has uh, caused some uh, delay. There are other issues, and this is actually not Mm. all the uh, political parties and Mm. the uh, civil society organizations who are under the umbrella of uh, the uh, forces of freedom of change. 
there are some voices, for example, like an Umma party, mm. maybe they have a different uh, discourse, mm. but actually it's not far, you know, from the uh, okay. main platform of uh, the declaration of these forces. All right, let me take a quick break, and when we come back, I know he's been waiting on the line for a while. I want to bring in Jock Maduk, Jock, director from the Sud Institute, and I uh, just want to continue this conversation uh, with um, him, especially looking at the dynamics on the ground, the preparedness of the uh, pro-democracy movements uh, in Khartoum versus uh, the military uh, council, those dynamics that have been highlighted there by Mossad Mohammed Ali. And also, when we come back after the break, I'd like us to look at the fact that we're seeing a lack of international intervention in this crisis. Maybe it's because there's a lot at stake here uh, when it comes to Sudan and also all the interests in terms of the geopolitics that are involved in this particular issue. Let's take a quick break. It's 22 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9am with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time 1000 African Voices with me Awurengwi C on Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Uh, we're probably one of the few uh, stations that really focus on the African agenda. Thank you for uh, joining us on uh, the various platforms on DSTV Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And if you're listening to us online, remember uh, you are streaming us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. If you're just joining us now, I have Jock Maduk, Jock Director from Sud Institute, Mossad Mohammed. Ali, Executive Director at the African Center for Justice and Peace Studies, and the representative of the Sudan Liberation Movement in South Africa is joining us as well, and that's Sabir Ibrahim. Jok Maduk, Jok, let me bring you into this conversation in terms of uh, that particular worrying issue that we back at a stalemate, and it seems like uh, the Transitional Military Council is the one that's having its say and dominating um, the political uh, narrative especially with the fact that now we have uh, seen uh, uh, the declaration of a continuance of defiance uh, from uh, the SPA. And also we've seen this worrying military crackdown that has reportedly left more than 100 people killed by security forces in Khartoum. Yes, hello. Um, Thank you for having me. uh, yes, as uh, previous uh, guests have been mentioned, uh, the situation is uh, worrying indeed, uh, not just for the instability of Khartoum and the rest of Sudan, but uh, the potential for uh, spilling over into uh, the 
other conflicts in the region, in the Horn of Africa and in Central Africa Republic and, and the situation in Chad and, and the coming of all these forces from other conflicts like in Mali and in Libya. So this is a, a serious situation for everyone uh, that has anything uh, to do with, um, with, 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 with who is watching Sudan. Uh, there is a lot of uh, worry, uh, particularly uh, the fact that the, the, the ruling, the, the, the military council that has taken over is now uh, genuinely uh, showing itself as a continuation of the forces that uh, collaborated with al-Bashir to terrorize Sudan and to, to destabilize Sudan and to run Sudan down economically and in terms of ethnic relations in terms of its ability, so that now Sudan is facing down the possibility of uh, further disintegration, uh, which was definitely feared when Sudan, when South Sudan broke away uh, some eight years ago. Now, um, how, what are the forces that are uh, facing off in this debacle? Um, so you have the Transitional Military Council, which is basically run by the same generals who had been with al-Bashir, uh, particularly uh, the, the commander of the so-called Rapid Support, Support Force, which uh, everybody knows is one and the same as al-Janjawit, which had committed genocide in Darfur. Uh, General, Brigadier General Muhammad Hamdan Dagalo, who is also known locally as Hameti, uh, is now the man calling the shots in Khartoum and decided that they, they could not longer take the sit-ins and the, and the protests at the, uh, in front of the Army General Headquarters in Khartoum. And they stormed the, the, the sit-ins, uh, killing people. And then they went ahead and shut down the city, basically. The, there are now door-to-door searches for activists, for political leaders, Many of them have already been arrested, including Yasser Arman, who is the deputy chairman of SPLA North, SPLM North, um, and, and, and many other leaders arrested in this process, and many people shot down uh, like dogs. Uh, last week, a uh, large number of bodies were removed from the River Nile when, after they had been uh, blindfolded, tied to heavy rocks so that they don't uh, float and thrown into, into the river. Uh, ghastly things, things that did not even happen uh, in Khartoum ever, even under the dictatorship of al-Bashir. So when a people is reduced to, to a situation where they can no longer talk to their government, it means that they have a choice now to make the protesters, particularly the, the, the leading organizations, uh, particularly uh, Sudanese Professional Association, which is a part of a larger yeah. organization called Freedom and Change uh, Forces. Uh, they have now a decision to make whether to continue mm. the sit-ins, uh, the defiance, or to, to call it a day and, 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 and call off mm. the protest in order to reorganize uh, again somehow. But you of people that I have talked to, and, and it's very difficult to communicate now with Sudan since there's no WhatsApp, there's no Facebook, there's no uh, Internet in the country. Mm. The only way you talk now is either direct text or oh. direct uh, voice call to some people. And the people I've talked to are saying that they are not going to relent. 
because they have gained a momentum that they would not be able to get back if they dismantle this, uh, this, 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 this protest. So they are going to defy and continue. Uh, the, the, the question now is whether there can be a mediation mm. by any, any outside body, including uh, the, the previous, uh, the, the, the recent visit by Prime Minister of Ethiopia, which seemed to have calmed down the passion a little bit. Sure. But did not uh, allow, did not uh, force the government to stop the arrest and the and the and and, and the killings. Okay. And another another side of, that can be expected, maybe expected to intervene, is the African Union itself, which has already suspended Sudan. Sure. Uh, from activities in order to force it, uh, this, this let's 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 speak uh, on that, Jock, because I, I want to get the views of um, Mossad and Sabir on that, in terms of the international intervention that we are seeing in terms of Sudan. Mossad, what are your thoughts on that? Before I go to Sabir for his thoughts, because. Um, we know that, yes, there have been sanctioned uh, from activities within the AU, but do you think that more can be done in the case of the current situation? I mean, just the chilling stories of what's happening that you heard there from Jock, that people have been been drowned in the Nile and the brutality that uh, has been experienced in the country is worrying at this point. Yes, and uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, these are crimes against humanity. Actually, I think it's uh, crimes with uh, international uh, nature. And for that reason, I think uh, the uh, intervention of the international communities are very much needed. And I'm just here speaking, you know, about the question of uh, accountability, the question of uh, justice. Because even including our organizations and other civic movements inside Sudan, you know, they have been calling for uh, a UNAU uh, committee of inquiry, you know, so as or a fact-finding uh, mission. Because the current uh, military council, you know, they are unwilling, you know, to investigate uh, these crimes. This is beside also, you know, their involvement in uh, these uh, crimes. So this is uh, number one. Number two, also the uh, mediation, also I think it's uh, very much needed, and we have uh, witnessed the uh, visit of uh, the European uh, Prime Minister, you know, uh, to Sudan just uh, most uh, recently, but and, uh, this is also, you know, not my uh, opinion, but even for the others, you know, in order to have uh, successful negotiations and to take these uh, peace talks, you know, forward, there must be some sort of uh, preparations. For example, first of all, the, uh, the military council should allow, you know, the investigation into these crimes and also to hold the perpetrators uh, to account. Uh, this is number one. Number two, also, you know, there must be, you know, uh, some uh, freedom, speci- specifically, you know, freedom of expression, association, and assembly. Since, you know, the, uh, this first of the sit-in in, in uh, the uh, military headquarters in Khartoum, now even, you know, the uh, separate peaceful uh, protest in Khartoum and other cities in Sudan, you know, have been met with a uh, violent uh, reaction, you know, from the side of the authorities and mainly the uh, rapid support forces. This is not beside, you know, mm. the uh, down of the internet service. All this, I think, uh, all this 
substitution environment actually mm. uh, would not help you know to move forward with the negotiations even if there are interventions you know from uh, the neighboring african countries mm. or even you know from uh, the uh, arab gulf who are to some extent also they are involved you know in uh, this uh, bloodshed or uh, massacre Let's speak about that because I was reading a very interesting article on Al Jazeera by a political analyst called Nanjala Nyabola, who also wrote a book called Digital Democracy, Analog Politics, who wrote in Al Jazeera in her piece um, the what's happening in terms of uh, the situation here and what you have just alluded to um, there, Mossad. And I want to take this to Sabir because let me quote this lady. She says, the escalation in violence follow- followed visits by Abdel Fattah al-Buhan, the head of the TMC, and his deputy Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo, also known as Hemeti, uh, to the uh, UAE. We know that's the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. Um, there seems to be um, regional collusion here in the interest of um, um, Sudan, Sabir. What are your thoughts around that, that regional geopolitics and uh, the, the, the shifts of power that are taking place in that regard, or the maintenance of power, rather, I should say? Yeah, 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 yeah you're right, my brother. I think, I think the internal and external factors have undoubtedly contribute to the current deterioration crisis in Sudan. And this is not a start from today. It's start from since law at, uh, the First World War. So the, so the external factors, the always, always destruction, destruction, the, the smooth transfer of power and civilian government in Sudan. Look, for instance, you know, for, for, for last week, it, we had that, you know, United Arab Emirates and Saudi, they paid $3 billion, you know, in cash, you know, to, to support the, 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 MM, the TMC. Whereas, whereas, despite that, we don't have a political stability in Sudan. How are we going to pay on that? You pay for the military government that is killing the innocent people in daily basis when it's us to establish Sudan. How to establish the Sudan? So the geopolitics play a role, you know, because there's a military, the Sudanese arms are going to Yemen to fight with, to, to protect Saudi and Arabians and Emirates. So there is an external factor that will play a role here. And that's what I'm saying, that despite the political and diplomatic support, financial support by MC, the war continues. People, mm. Sudanese people are determined to have a civilian transition government. So, so Sabir, are you Sabir, are you saying that the UAE and Saudi Arabia is putting a pressure on the TMC with these particular protests and that's why now do you would you say that's why we could be seeing this escalation of violence from the military? What are your thoughts around that? No, but it's it's, it's a quite obvious comrade. You see it's the thing that you know there is no stability in Sudan. How you pay money to the current governments? There is no stability. That's why for them, they want this current government. They want the TMC to be in power. Mm-hmm. They don't want the civilian government because they knew the civilian government, they will come with a clear plan that, you know, the Sudanese troops should go back home. We have no problem with the Iranians. Mm-hmm. This is the internal problem of the Iranians. So why Sudanese troops go and fighting with them, mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. them? Mm. So they knew, they knew the civilian government have got different ideas, different agendas. We don't need war, we need peace. Mm. Whether in Sudan, whether in Yemen, whether in everywhere, we need peace. So those people, those external factors are playing role. They're pushing their own agendas to keep the, the, the status quo. Mm. 
Mm. This is not help. Well, that's the voice there of Sabir Ibrahim. They're calling for peace there, but that's a big question because it seems like the instability of uh, the region pinned on what's happening on in Sudan is uh, very much unpredictable at this particular time. Let's take a quick break. I'll bring in Jock Maduk. Jock, once again, into this conversation. And maybe we could ask the question, what is the way forward? Um, should the Sudan Professionals Association... Um, actually continue with their civil disobedience or should we actually see more of uh, an intervention maybe from a United Nations level maybe there should be more introductions of targeted sanctions against the uh, Sudan and maybe we should be uh, talking around uh, issues of uh, conversation that can ensue uh, between uh, the protesters and the military is that all possible We'll find out after this break. I'm an actress. I'm a motivational speaker. Born with albinism. Um, The nurse first asked my mother, is your husband white? My mother said, no, why are you asking me that question? When I grew up, there was no publication of person with albinism disappearing, Mm. being stolen. You see, it was happening, but there was no exposure as it happening now. Hi, I'm Kulem Mulebati, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times, Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Pule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective. Things seem very precarious and dire in Sudan. And uh, we just uh, also know that uh, it has been reported that just today, four people, more people have been killed in the Sudanese uh, capital, Khartoum, as uh, the uh, civil disobedience uh, order continues from the Sudanese Professional Association. Well, let me come to you, Jock Maduk Jock. We have mm, a little bit of a uh, little time left around five minutes so i'd like all of us to be brief in terms of the way forward maybe from your point of view uh we know that uh, the un has been discussing targeted sanctions against uh, uh, sudan is that the way forward what are your thoughts any any action uh, obviously counts uh, but uh, but if we think about uh, actions that are really, really going to be meaningful and, and bring about uh, a bit of change in Sudan, we have to be strategic. And the way to be strategic is that uh, wh- even though the African Union has already suspended Sudan, uh, this action alone is not enough. It is not enough to suspend the country and then sit back and watch the, con- the, the government terrorize its citizens. I think the African Union... Uh, together with uh, its allies in the global north, particularly in the European Union and the United States, to pressure Saudi Arabia uh, and Emirates, to then in turn uh, pressure the the TMC to restart 
uh, any a kind of talk about change. Uh, that is the only way. I mean, because the, the most the, the most influential forces on Sudan on TMC at the moment is Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates. They are the the ones the, uh, funding the the TMC to to carry on its activities. So if if any pressure point has to be pressed, I think it is the African Union. Uh, pressing on their allies in Saudi Arabia. I know that it is about money, and, and Africans don't have a lot of money, and, and the Arabs have quite a bit of it. And therefore, the geopolitics of Sudan are also interestingly intertwined with racial ideas. Uh, the Arab uh, countries uh, seem to think that they have a more say in Sudan, which they think is an Arab country, and the African countries have sort of retreated after the... They, they suspended, and I think that it is not enough. I think more needs to be done. I, I, I cry for the days when there was a kind of a pan-Africanism of the people, not just pan-Africanism mm-hmm. of the of the government. And I think the pan-African perspective on Sudan is is, is urgently needed uh, to stand with the people of Sudan to 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 push for change in Sudan otherwise Sudan is going to explode and its explosion would not be good for all its neighbors okay let me bring you in Mossad your thoughts on uh, and, and and concluding issues in in this regard um, what are your thoughts of the kind of interventions that are needed right now um, we're talking about uh, maybe a more of a dialogue from a regional perspective, as alluded to there by by Jock, which I agree with him completely, because I think this is more of a regional problem than anything else. What are your thoughts? Well, there's no doubt, you know, that uh, the negotiations are the uh, proper way, you know, for getting the uh, solutions. But as I've mentioned, there are some requirements, you know, for having such a successful uh, negotiation, you know, that was the way for the uh, transition. First of all, I think uh, the creation of accountability is very much needed. The uh, creation of uh, the uh, freedoms that now have been confiscated, you know, by the military council also is uh, very much needed. And this is actually leave Sudanese people with only two options, you know, either the military council, you know, hand over the power to the civic government without delay, or the people actually will continue the uh, civil disobedience and also the general strike, which has proven actually its uh, impact, its successness, and also it is uh, power. Otherwise, you know, even, you know, the intervention, you know, from uh, regional uh, countries or from beyond from uh, the Gulf or uh, the UN, actually that would not make uh, any change unless, you know, this uh, military council, uh, you know, uh, hand over this uh, power. Otherwise, I think these things would not move forward. What we see here is a clear violation of, one, the right to privacy, of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting.